Good morning, everyone. It's great to be sharing with you today. Resounder is a church that aims to love and empower individuals. Now, it's no mistake that these two words come together, love and empower. They're deeply connected. It's often said that love is a doing word, which many may take to mean we can do love to others. But anyone who's experienced love, been on the receiving end of love, will know that this is a relational word. You cannot simply do love to others. That starts a slippery slope, uh, which leads towards a faith and a salvation based on works, against which we've been so clearly warned uh, by Paul and other biblical writers. Empowerment, then, is an expression of love. Empowerment is to entrust someone with a gift, something of value, literally something that has power. Today, I want to look at why it's so important for us to empower individuals and then focus on the significance of empowering the powerless based on the example set to us by Jesus. Now, the philosopher in me wants to delve into the question, well, what is power? Um, but perhaps that's a question for another time and place. Instead, let me start by addressing my first point. Why is it so important to empower individuals? Important enough even for it to be one of the few words we use at Resound to guide our work and our purpose. Well, the simplest answer is that it is in order to follow one of the most evident examples set to us by God. Throughout the narrative of the Bible, and throughout history, God is constantly empowering people. Moses, for instance, was a runaway murderer. Moses was empowered to liberate God's people from slavery in Egypt. Then you have David, a lowly shepherd, not wanted by anyone. He was empowered to rule over Israel as king. Esther, a lowly orphan girl, was empowered to save the Jewish people from death. Time after time, story after story, reveals to us that God isn't interested in hoarding power, rather finding people in all situations to empower, to serve, and to carry out God's work. Just a few weeks ago, even, Emily spoke on Pentecost, reminding us that the Holy Spirit once was given to people for specific times and specific purposes. Um, but at the day of Pentecost, the Spirit was given to all people, poured out for all people. The promise was fulfilled. There is an offering of empowerment for all people through the Spirit. One verse that particularly stands out to me in that passage that we find in Joel first, and then at Acts in the day of Pentecost, is where it says, Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Knowing what we know about culture at the time, especially the social hierarchy and views on both slaves and women, the promise that even female slaves would be empowered by the outpouring of the spirit, and that they would prophesy, or in other words, God would speak through them, is incredible to me. What a revolutionary idea that would be. What it was and is now, the impact that has. One of the great benefits I found in studying uh, theology at university is that I was exposed to a wide range of thinkers and theologians from across the world throughout history. People that didn't think or act like me, people whose experiences were different to mine. Now, perhaps the message that most captivated me in my time studying 
was the revelation of God's heart for the poor and the oppressed, the lowly and the downtrodden. Of course, that's something that we find commonly throughout the Bible, but I found in my wider reading it, that was a particularly important message. In the field of liberation theology, born out of the experience of faith in the face of poverty in Latin America, writer Gustavo Gutierrez talks about God being on the side of the poor. In a different context, in black theology, leading thinker James Cone speaks about God being on the side of the oppressed. But the example of God wanting to empower people isn't just seen through the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was all about empowering individuals, especially the powerless. In Luke's account of Jesus' life, Jesus says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free. Again, it's no coincidence that Jesus' primary purpose revealing the love of God to us it's intertwined here with the empowering of the powerless in this example the poor the captive the blind the oppressed and Jesus lived this out in multiple ways throughout his ministry in fact Jesus recognized time of ministry begins with an empowering of others as he calls the disciples as they journeyed with him he further empowered them In Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, we read this. Then Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. We need to remember who these people were, these disciples. They were some of the lowest of society. They were fishermen who were essentially laborers, tax collectors who were hated among the Jews. They were zealots fanatical nationalists. These were the people Jesus chose to empower. They chose to be his 12 closest followers and to whom he gave power and authority. Not the religious elite of the day, not those who would be considered most righteous by whatever metric you could use to assess that, not the peoples in positions of authority or even people who were well thought of in society. Anywhere that Jesus went, His disciples were with him, working alongside him. They revealed the empowering heart of God to those they met. Jesus also went out of his way to empower women. As I alluded to earlier, uh, a woman's place in society at the time was essentially as a second-class citizen. Even then, there would have been those who were especially ostracized. Yet again and again, Jesus subverts the social conventions by interacting with them and goes as far as to empower them in a variety of ways. In John's Gospel, chapter 20, we see that Mary Magdalene is the first person Jesus appears to after his resurrection. Starting in verse 11, we read this. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, 
Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabunai, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that she had said that he had said these things to her. Mary was the very first person to be empowered to share the good news that Jesus had won victory over death and had been resurrected. Before those who were considered to be Jesus' closest friends or even Jesus' parents, Mary was entrusted to share that word. But again, Jesus didn't just empower those who were close to him. In John chapter 4, we read a story about Jesus meeting a Samaritan woman at a well. Many of you will be familiar with this story. Um, and we have to remember that the Samaritans and the Jews didn't get on well at all. Second, we have to remember, this woman was deeply ashamed of herself. At the time where Jesus met her, it says in the scripture, it's about midday. Um, it's sort of the heat of the day in a hot climate. Most women went to the well early in the cool of the day with others for safety. Here we find a woman on her own at the hottest part of the day, hiding from others, essentially ashamed of herself. I won't read the whole story now, um, but do go and have a read through it and remind yourselves. But what we see is that Jesus loved her and gave her a voice. She came into an interaction as an outcast, full of shame, but she left free and full of hope. One final example uh, is another woman confronted with shame. In the Gospel of John, chapter 8, uh, we see a woman who was caught in the act of adultery. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and began to teach to them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And making her stand before all of them, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They said this to test him, so they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down, wrote his f with his finger on the ground. When they kept questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And once again he bent down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the elders. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, sir. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go your way, and from now on, do not sin again. This amazing encounter encapsulates so much of God's heart and love for us. This woman was presumably caught in the very act of adultery and dragged before Jesus. One can only imagine what kind of state she would have been in. In all of her shame, in all of her embarrassment, Jesus sees her and empowers her with forgiveness, one of the most powerful gifts. She should have been stoned to death, but was not only spared death, but gifted life and purpose. In his book, Jesus and the Disinherited, uh, theologian Howard Thurman comments on this story and the power within it. This is how Jesus demonstrated reverence for personality. 
He met the woman where she was and treated her as if she were already where she now willed to be. In dealing with her, he believed her into the fulfillment of her possibilities. He stirred her confidence into activity. He placed a crown over her head, which for the rest of her life, she would keep trying to grow tall enough to wear. Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. The story of the Bible is a story of empowerment. Those who are uh, powerless, the least and the lowest in society, given power to be raised from their conditions and to start doing the things that Jesus was doing and that God wanted for them to do. I said earlier that I was going to postpone any tangent about the nature and structure of power, uh, but there is a tough question I think we need to ask ourselves and one another. Who are the powerless in our society? in our community. To answer this, I think we do have to think just briefly about what power is. For the purposes of today, uh, and this is not a comprehensive answer by any stretch, but hopefully a start for us to think about it, uh, I want to suggest that power is three things. Influence, position, and privilege. We can then begin to think about who has these things and who does not. One word which, to some extent, uh, incorporates all of these and captures the essence of them is the word voice. The influence, position or privilege that when someone wants to convey something they're heard and listened to, respected, valued. Who has and has not got a voice in our society, our community? As we mark a year since the murder of George Floyd, we also recognise we've been through a year of heightened conversations around racial equality one aspect of this conversation, which has made many people uncomfortable, has been a recognition that this is about power. Both power through the authority that the police hold, but also through the social stratification which gives white voices power, authority, in place of black voices. The protests, speeches, teaching and outpouring in the wake of the death of George Floyd has disrupted the usual power balance and sought to give a voice to the voiceless. Of course, this isn't the first time we've seen this happen. Most of the famous names in social justice and civil rights work have been striving to give a voice to the voiceless, a shift in oppressive structural power dynamic. Martin Luther King, Nelson Mandela, Gandhi, to name just a few. Voicelessness isn't just related to racial issues. Many communities have to fight daily to have their voice heard. The young, the old, the disabled, LGBTQ plus community, women, immigrants and refugees, the neurodiverse, religious minorities, the homeless. These add to the biblical list that we see repeated of the poor, the widow, the orphan. Now I did some youth work training uh, a little while ago where we were shown this thing called privilege bingo, a slide in the form of a bingo grid um, with about 15 privileges, social privileges. Um, and the aim was to tick them off if there's you know, something that applies to you. Um, I think of about the 15, only one didn't apply to me. All the others did. I stand before you a white, male, cisgendered, heterosexual, able-bodied, educated English speaker from a loving and supportive family. And you've been hearing my voice. Not just today, uh, but I'm part of the leadership team here at Resound. 
When my voice is heard and valued, I have a place to speak out. But what about those who are not like me? For us to be a church that follows the example of Jesus is to be a church that loves and empowers individuals. Particularly in the life of Jesus, we see this. Are reaching out to those who feel or appear to be powerless. When we do this, amazing things happen. We see example after example in the Bible. But we've also seen it ourselves in our lives. One instance where we see the benefit of empowering the powerless is the amazing work of Greta Thunberg. As a young autistic woman, Greta's voice was not one which was granted much power. Indeed, world leaders have tried to disparage her uh, and undermine her message by talking about her age, her naivety. Yet her voice has had remarkable influence. Just last year, we saw between 20 or 30,000 people turn out in the worst weather conditions in Bristol to listen to this young woman speak, to hear her voice. One of her main messages was this, I will not be silenced when the world is on fire. She may be used to being silenced, or expected to be being silenced, but for Greta, she's been given a voice and she isn't afraid to use that power. When the powerless are empowered, we see amazing things happen. So our final question is this. What do we do as Resound to love and empower individuals, particularly the powerless? Well, the good news is we're already doing a lot of great things which do this. Among us are those who serve the homeless, the hungry, the imprisoned, the young, the old, our desire to show God's love to the world is evident in our ministries and in our mission partners. But to return now to our initial point, we cannot settle for doing love to others. Even the best gestures and the best of intentions fall short outside of the context of a relationship which shows love and empowers individuals. This is why it's crucial to build relationship with those we seek to serve, and even more importantly, to listen to them to give them a voice. This alone begins the process of empowerment, that we help the voiceless share their voice and to offer power through trust, understanding and empathy to the powerless. As the body of Christ, the church should celebrate its differences and its diversity. These are the things that make us so powerful and influential in the world but we must also embrace our differences by listening to different perspectives and ideas, different experiences, and empowering those who are so often considered to be the least among us. For we've seen again and again that God can and will do amazing things when we do that. Only by doing that are we truly following our aim of loving and empowering individuals. So Lord God, we thank you that your heart is to empower us with your gifts, your love, and your spirit. I ask today simply that you would help us to recognize how you have and are empowering each of us and to go and do likewise. Give us your heart, your eyes, and your ears for the powerless and the voiceless. And let us follow your example closely within your church as we continue to learn how best to love and empower your children, your people. In your name we pray. Amen.